welcome to another episode of Family Gems, where we share fun family stories. Uh, I'm Subo Gerwal. This is my lovely COVID-ridden co-host, Valerie Tosky. <laughs> uh, hi, I look the grossest I ever will look on a podcast, but it's not <laughs> about me. You guys, we have a super fun guest today. Uh, he is a production manager and producer whose career has largely been for theatrical productions across the country. No big deal. Um, and in his spare time, he tries desperately to finish any of the stories he's written before getting distracted by his dog. Hopefully that dog <laughs> will make a cameo today. Please welcome the very cool, chill, fun guy, Isaac Katzenek. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me, both of you. It's great to be here. Ooh, production for the theater. Very the uh, cultured, the theater, right? Yes. Say that again. Very cultured. Very oh, like yeah, sophisticated. Absolutely. Or as I like to, as I like to joke, I, I went to art school and I use that as a justification and an excuse, uh, depending on the circumstance. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I don't know how to do that. I went to art school or people are like, you, you dress so nice. You look so great today. I'm like, oh, I mean, I went to art school. So. <laughs> I love uh, sir, uh, yeah. you're clearly drunk. No, I just went to art school. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I can't say the alphabet backwards because I went to art school. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why can't you parallel park art school? It's not. <laughs> so sorry. They just never told us. It was never part of the curriculum. Uh, Isaac, what are you working on right now? Because I know there was a time a few months back where um, I went to go see a production at the Geffen um, and I saw Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and you were working on it, right? That's right. Yeah, I was at the Geffen for about three years. Uh, I'm actually, uh, I have to decide. Uh, I'm in the process of working at some new uh, locations just to branch out. Uh, uh, so I can't quite say at this exact moment. It's nothing exciting. I just don't have a confirmed <laughs> thing. And so I'm like, Shh, no, don't sell uh, yourself short. We love a mystery. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, working uh, in the same field, production, uh, fabrication, management, uh, taking people's ideas and making them happen is my, the short thing that I've been doing basically my whole career. So it's very fun. Fabrication management. That's so cool. That like that could be fucking anything. Like in the theater. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> but also it could just be like something you do for a politician. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, yeah. George, George Santos, anybody? Yeah. Oh, my God. I literally tweeted. I was like, I'm just waiting for her, George Santos, to come out and say that his father was a gas stove. I'm like, I can't, I can't handle this anymore. That man is a, a train wreck. Uh, you know, if the Republicans want him out, then it's bad. Yeah. Like, but the I latest. love it. He's like, fuck it. None of what you're saying. Stop the steal. Then, yes, I'm an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> so mm. that's that's very cool though okay yeah uh i am very excited to be here i've been thinking like all week of just ridiculous things uh as i told valerie uh, i have uh my mom is an artist and so i just have all the kooky artist mom stories that have shaped me but then as i was thinking i realized that it's like oh it stretches like i've got just weird things from my family on both sides uh so i'm very excited to, i like have my notes no, and ready to go Super cool. I have no idea what it's like to grow up with like an art mom. So please. <laughs> I know. Like truly, we're both like, wait, I'm sorry. Like a parent that understands art and appreciates the world of artistic expression. Yeah, I can't. Try to stomp it out with her foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need to so give us a little background, like where, where you grew up and all that stuff. So we can. Kind yeah. Of um, so I, I lived all over the West Coast. Uh, I grew up. Vegas is my hometown. Uh 
I lived there the most, but I also lived in Burbank for about six years as a kid, uh, just a suburb of LA. And so I have a weird mix of like always seeing like their perception of the art world and hearing my mom's like, oh, that's just sellout stuff. And I'm like, oh, and like now I'm like, it was just friends. Like, it's not oh. that big a deal. <laughs> but I mean, it's most just of a Vegas. Sitcom. I know, well, most that, of Vegas sellout stuff. It's well, just like big, too, flashy. Yeah. I mean, now, like, I think it's so crazy because I go back to Vegas and the arts culture there is actually really flourished. Um, oh, yeah? Meow Wolf, baby. Meow Wolf, and you've got this amazing arts district that when I was in high school was like, don't go on that street. And now it's like full of breweries and restaurants and antique shops and theaters. And it's like this cool, cool stretch of town. Um, it's really interesting to think about because right when we had moved there or moved back there, my uh, mom kind of got involved in the art scene. She's been in arts fundraising as like her career for years and years and years. And there was a, they did a first Fridays event, which I have since learned is pretty common because, you know, they both start with the letter F. But at the <laughs> time it sounded really great. And it was like all the galleries stayed open late on the first Friday of the month. And there were food trucks and stalls and like people setting up their art on a table if that was all they could do. And, uh, it's very interesting because I like look back and that was 20 something years ago. I was like, I was at the beginning of that, but I was just like this 12 year old dweeb who got dragged there by his mom trying to understand what these like 24 year old hipsters are like telling me about. And this guy's like, yeah, man, my bracelets are really cool. They're actually cat collars and you can just like go to Petco and buy them. And, <laughs> wear them. and I was like, and of course, <laughs> it, and I was like at 12 years old, I was like, that is kind of cool. And now I'm like, no, it's not. Like, what are you talking about? Like, but of course, it was just like some drunken stone painter guy who was talking to a 12 year old because he got dragged to a gallery show and his mom was like trying to do work and like fundraise. And I'm just like, well, here I am. Impressionable. What a sad, sad thing to wear cat collars as Brit. It looks like you've been killing neighborhood cats. If you just have a <laughs> yeah, like it's your it's your collar. token <laughs> that you take away from the murder. <laughs> <laughs> These are all the cats um, <laughs> that have come in my then, yard. Like, why are you collecting? That's so funny. Oh God. Uh, but then the other thing is my uh, my mom got very early on invested uh, into this sculpture museum that's about an hour and a half, two hours north of Vegas. It's out in the desert, kind of near Death Valley. Um, and it was started by this Belgian sculptor who viewed the American Southwest as like the final frontier and an open canvas. And he could do whatever he wanted because there was nothing out there. I mean, it's like what he didn't realize is like it was government owned land. Like he couldn't <laughs> just make art out in the desert, but they let him because it is the middle of the desert and the closest town only had a hundred people in it. Um, and he did, he does these amazing sculptures, uh, that are effectively like ghosts. He will take a model and he'll pose them and then they'll like wear a plastic sheet while he drapes, uh, canvases like soaked in plaster over them and he like molds it. And then when the plaster sets, the model will step out and it'll leave this is like ghost of a structure. And then he coated them in fiberglass so they'd be weather resistant. And so he did a couple of these out in the desert. One is like a giant, like recreation of the last supper but like within the middle of nowhere. And oh, then creepy. It's eerie, it's but really it's really cool. It's really but cool. And then he's also, invited all of his other like Belgian artist friends. He's like, come to the desert friends, make more art with me. So now there's this like crazy sculpture park out in the middle of the desert that my mom got involved with. And ultimately she and my stepdad ended up creating this uh, kind of organization to not only like preserve it, but also grow it. And they created an artist residency program and did festivals out there. Like it was a whole thing. 
That's so freaking yeah. crazy. I would not. Man. If some dude was like, come to the desert, I'm going to put a tarp on you. I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be no. like, well, I am Italian, so this was bound to happen sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me because I'm in my 30s now and I have this like immense amount of respect, both that my mom did this in her late 30s, early 40s. It's a really cool thing. She really contributed to like a cultural thing that has gotten acclaim and notification and is very unique and neat. But when I was 15 and just getting dragged out to the desert every three <laughs> weekends, I was just like, I don't like it and I hate it here. And can you please buy extra batteries from a Game Boy? Because I was like, why are you dragging me out into the fucking desert? What is wrong with you? What were you going to say, Suba? Oh, no, I was going to say, how do you even rebel against an art mom? Do you just, like, show up wearing an Ed Hardy t-shirt? Like, how do you? <laughs> uh, it's commit so hard to the theater that you miss out on family events. And be like, nah. no, it's, it's, it's the same, like, I can't, I have rehearsal. Like, that was, like, how I showed mm-hmm. her. And I then, learned it from you, mom. Just Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's We're so just wild. holding pottery. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's so – I can't even imagine what it would have been like to have parents that were, like, also artistic. Like, there was some art in my family where, like, I had other, like, aunts and uncles that – or mostly just aunts that were, like, into music and stuff, but not – it was never, like, in my primary household, you know? So I can't even imagine yeah. what that must have been like to actually have, like – I want a kooky art mom is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> It's cool. I mean, I really, I'm grateful for it. My stepdad is also just a visual artist, uh, primarily photography, but they're both like, and my mom is a painter as well. Like this, you can't really see all of it, but this is a painting of like a baseball field, like an out player in the outfield. She says that I have a couple of her pieces here, a couple of my stepdads. My dad wow. was a journalist. I've like, I've just always been surrounded by like relatively creative people. And then my brother, who's, uh, he's 13 years younger than me, but he is currently in college studying uh, classical bass. Um, he's been doing oh, that for a decade. Oh, so cool. Where is he? So it's just like, wow. Uh, no, he's just at UNLV uh, in Vegas. Okay. So, But God, it's just, so it's cool. this amazing, like, somehow my family kind of flourishes in the arts and has been supportive of it, which of course I'm grateful for. Uh, I mean, Do you I've have a like career, a, so. a black sheep that's just like an accountant? Like, is there one <laughs> in your family? I mean, the closest would be my grandfather, who was an engineer, but... Even then, there was some artist. There's an artistry to it. He was just the very much the math and science side. But I pulled a lot of that because while I work in the arts, it's also a lot of what I do is the logistics and the like. How do we make that happen? So I have an understanding mm. of the art while also the like management skills that come with just like, well, we need to be organized and make a spreadsheet about it. And so even then, I'm, uh, but he also he and my grandmother loved going to the theater. They loved, you know, they had symphony tickets for years and years. They go to the Hollywood Bowl. So I, it's just always, it's always been a supportive thing, uh, kind of across the board. Uh, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a favorite production that you worked on? Uh, I my one of my all time favorites was a, a they did a musical adaptation of Amelie a few years ago, and they started. I it, saw that at the yeah, Amundsen, at the mm-hmm, Amundsen, I, right? Yes. Yeah, I did the Amundsen, and then I took it to New York uh, years ago, and so I, I it was it got you know not the best reception, but I just thought it was so charming and contained and it was unique and it had a good heart and a good message so I, for me it's one that i'm like oh there was, and it was a good time like the people who worked on it were great yeah philippa oh, was, was, was amelie right that's right yeah she's yeah. Uh, a sweetheart i've known her for like a decade uh we worked together oh. at a theater festival in massachusetts years ago before she made it big and 
I was, and then I saw that she, you know, she did Hamilton and she was in Natasha oh, Pierre, The Great Comet. And mm-hmm. then she was in like Amelie all at once. And when I did Amelie, I ran into her backstage and it had been years. And she like stopped me. She's like, you look so familiar. And I know I know you. And I was like, well, we worked together like five years ago at Williamson. She's like, oh my God, Isaac, hi. I, I'm so excited to see you. This is, I was like, and so I'm like, oh, oh and you're a sweet God. person still. Thank you. Like, I'm just- so jealous of people who can remember other people like that. Like, I could yeah. work with you yesterday and then go on. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. No, I get it. I, I would never ever people, be like. But like I, not con- the connection. Yeah. Like the people will DM me and I'm like, I know we're friends on here for a reason. We've definitely like met for it for at a certain point. But I, my brain, like, yeah. I know. And they take it so personally. I'm like, I don't think you said anything where my brain was like, control, alt, delete. Like, I don't know why your file is missing. (laughs) I didn't choose this shit. I know. I think it's hard too for us as comics because we're just like, we're seeing so many faces every single day and every show. And like, you get, you hit a point where you can only store so much. There's, you only have so much memory, literally. You know what I mean? Like you can't physically- I sure would like to dump some stuff I don't need, though. I wish we had the ability to do that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. I was uh, I was doing crowd work, and I asked an audience member her name. This is how fucking bad I am, and she told me. And then I actively didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> so I just had to call her, like, Pink Jacket or something stupid. Because, like, I was like, I literally just asked you, and my brain would not listen. That's psychotic. <laughs> what? Oh, no bad but i do think it is because you meet like so many people like especially like in the crowd or like when you're meeting like new comics backstage that my brain just shuts off and is like we're not gonna remember this shit anyway (laughs) i know it's It's hard um but then the downside all right so here's yeah all right so the downside of having kooky art parents is that i feel like they don't have the same sense of boundaries of what is like good or bad for a kid and so i have a list of concerts that i was taken to like under the age of let's say six that like no regard for the setup of who was going to be there. Um, my mom boasts about how I got them kicked off of Willie Nelson's tour bus, which is like, because I was the infant they brought onto Willie Nelson's tour bus. And, and that's he was your like, fault. Yeah, like, and he was like, who's this baby? Get this baby out of here. I'm like, I know. Oh, yeah, probably actually like of any tour bus that's going to have like, a cloud of pot smoke come out of it the yeah, and you open the sorry. door. They didn't want it's, to participate in baby's first contact high. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I also was taken to uh, The Who when they played the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, but again, it was just like, I at that age, I, was, I must have been eight or nine maybe, but I still was just like, my mom's like, we have to go. They're getting older. And I didn't really, like I knew the song Bob O'Reilly, but that was it. And I liked it. Like I was raised on a lot of that music. But I still, like, I had a child at that moment. I was like, it smells funny here. That's a memory I still have, like, however many years later. Uh, we They should took me to a Todd Rundgren recording. He did, like, this, like, recorded an album as if it was a recording studio, but for people. Like, it was like, a, everybody come see Todd Rundgren record this weird prog rock album. And I was there <laughs> at two years old. Uh, and then... Oh, and my dad took me to a Crosby, Stills, and Nash concert at a festival out in, like, Palmdale. One. It's just, like, oh, my parents that's like, well, cool. we want to go. Yeah, all of them are fun, except all I have is just, like, weird, like, hazy memories, literally and figuratively, <laughs> of being there and being too young to appreciate it. Uh, that is so it's great. funny. So, 
Yeah, that's too much pot for a baby. Like, <laughs> you really? Oh, was it? Did you have too much pot going to a concert? Because uh, there was a cloud of smoke in my house from the day I was born until even now. Oh, no. <laughs> Valerie, I'm pretty sure your mom's breast milk was hemp milk. Like, we know. <laughs> Let me tell you too, because I'm talking. So as 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 we all know, I have COVID, and I was talking to my mom the other day because she had it over the summer, and I was like, "How long?" I was talking to her about it, like, "How long do you feel like this?" and like, "What were your symptoms?" and all this stuff. And my mom's like, "She, of course, she got it when she went back to Bo- like to Boston to visit my sister, and she got it when she was there. She had a hole up in a hotel room. She's like, "Yeah, the only time I left the hotel was when I went outside to go smoke some pot." And I was like. You were smoking weed while you had COVID, you absolute psychopath. My mom was just ripping joints while she had her lungs filled with liquid. Like what? Oh my I'm telling you, this nothing is going to kill this woman. Like she's a, like a just a, just a, a stoned cockroach. Like it's out of control. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, oh my god. Okay, so that's okay. I'm so jealous that you get to go to Crosby Stills Nash when you were two. Uh, what are they like? Like, do you feel they must have been wild in their day before you were born, or were they just like, were they kooky or were they like rebellious? I think they were more rebellious than they ever let on while I was growing up, and I, I I've noticed it more in the past like three or four years. Um, my dad, so he grew up in New York, uh, in like. Queens, like outer Queens. And he eventually moved to Colorado and I've never had the, been given the reason why. And then he ended up in Montana. That's where my, my parents both met in Montana. I was born in a town of 8,000 people oh, wow. and then moved like apparently four months after I was born. They're like, it's cold here. And I was like, yeah, I could have told you that. It's cold in the winter. Uh, and then I ended up again all over the West coast. But it's so interesting because my dad was like working as like a day trader and for like stock firms, but he didn't, he never seemed to enjoy it. But then every now and then he would just drop his like, I don't know, like one time I got a ticket for like smoking pot next to the church uh, in Midtown. And I was like, well, why were you doing that? And he was like, oh, I don't know. It's anyways, I'm glad you never got caught. I was like, thanks, thanks yeah. dad. Nobody so, likes finance jobs. You like money. Yeah. Like exactly. if all he was doing was weed outside of a church while he was working in finance, you got a good fucking yeah. dad, dude. In, in the seventies, <laughs> like, like it's, uh, and then my mom, she always just acted like she was like a little frustrated with Southern California again in the seventies, that kind of like suburb ideal suburb life. And I always had the idea that it was very much that, but then in the past few years, I like learned that like, she was like, no, the second she graduated high school, she was like, jetted to Washington and went and lived in a cabin and like was like I don't want to be involved in anything in like LA culture and sunshine or like all of these things and then I was like oh that's interesting but then my aunt was also like oh yeah I moved out when I was 17 and uh, I went and lived with my hippie boyfriend and we were just vegetarians working at the little the co-op store I was like I thought you were just like the nice ballerina like I was always told she was like the good daughter ballerina and instead I'm like found out she ran off with some guy because he had a motorcycle and that was the <laughs> reason like <laughs> no because he yeah. had a motorcycle I can't that's so, it's, so funny. it's like one of these where you're like oh my family did not lead quite the life that I think my grandmother likes to pretend and you know she's got photo albums everywhere and amazing pictures and everybody's close and everybody seems to get along 
it's just as like I've gotten older, they finally have come to tell me things, um, which is so funny because my mom was younger than me than I am now when she had me, and so I'm like, oh shit, it's yeah, yeah. I mean not much. She's 27 or 28, but oh, I'm just okay. sitting there. I was like, I. I mean, I would have figured it out, but I was not like, it's that thing that we all seem to say now where it's like, how, how can you have kids like now, let alone five to 10 years ago, or like I the know. people I went to college with in Indiana who were like, have four and it was, they were 25. I was like, what do you do it? Well, I mean, I know what <laughs> you're doing, but like, I mean, you I can be crazy. a, you can be a parent with like, I have friends that are like, want to have kids, but they're like, oh, we're just trying to be more financially stable. And I'm like, well, I mean, you could raise kids poor. It's not fun for anyone. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It yeah. can be done, you know? Uh, but yeah, shit's wild. It's like Agreed. to do it the way I think a lot of people want to do it, or it's like planned out and you know, everything is going to be okay. Uh, it's expensive as fuck and then yeah. there's also the option where you just have a few because you know what <laughs> i don't know uh hopefully one of these uh brood will come out okay because uh this there's no plan here you know speaking yeah. of i uh so i i do task rabbit stuff on the side because uh i i can do ikea furniture and people don't ever want to do it and so <laughs> they pay me to do it and it's great and i i'm like okay let me take a quick note real quick <laughs> yeah oh, it's fantastic it is like the easiest side gig in the world and I went to this house and they had two dressers and a crib. And I was like, okay, great, easy. And at one point I was like, I'm curious. I was like, well, the woman, you know, will they be pregnant or will it be like newborn? Like, I'm just always curious, like, what is the situation I'm walking into? And I walk in and the woman's got like a newborn in her arms. I was like, oh, congratulations. Like, oh, thanks. And then it was, re- it was a very small child. And I was like, oh. And at one point she's like, how's it going? And I was like, oh, I'm almost done. I'm going to start this next thing in a minute. And then, uh. I was like, do you mind if I ask, like, how old uh, is your is your child? And she's like, oh, two weeks. So I was like, oh, wow, like, congrats. Like, that's a lot. of going okay? And she's like, yeah, no, it's going good. I was like, I was like, did I see two in the living room when I walked in? Like, is, is it twins? I was like, very, like, I don't want to, yeah. like. And she's like, yeah, it's twins. I was like, wow, that's, hope you're doing okay. Like, I know that's a lot. You know, congrats, but uh, good luck. She's like, yeah, no, it's going okay. It's our third set. And I was like, yeah, that, that was my reaction inside. And I was just like, mm. and I like was freaking out. Like I had to text a friend immediately. I was like, I just heard the most insane thing. Why did they, why did they even not have a crib? They should have just left the crib set up forever. I, like, so there's I, always going to be a no baby answers. in it. Holy yeah, shit. Like, I have no, oh my God. I, I love that this I was is like, truly I, the most horrifying thing that I've heard on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like abuse <laughs> trauma no that's it. three sets of twins three no uh, yeah. no yeah this no. lady's just i'm calling out creepy kids that finish each other's sentences <laughs> for no reason just yeah. really pumping oh. out the end of that horror film like why why if you knew twins were gonna come out why would you keep that's nuts like you yeah. already got two for one like yeah. why <laughs> and then again no. it's, I don't it's the third go <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i can't i can't Oh, oh God. baby! I, this is, oh. Good God! No. And like my mom, like my mom was twenty four, twenty five. No, no, she was twenty six when she had me. And even then, I'm like, I'm thirty seven, and that's I. I still, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to do it. <laughs> like, I don't know how people did. Like, and I'm yeah. reading this book right now that, quite honestly, is heartbreaking and and 
really tough to get through because it's about the history of women um, who had to give up children for adoption before uh, Roe versus Wade. And it's like, mm. it, it's tough to get through because it is really like brutal. And you're there's just so much stuff that I didn't know. And I'm like reading through this and I'm like, I don't just, the women have always had it so shitty when it comes to that and like the choices that they were going to make. And, and just reading about like the way that parents were treating their like kids that got pregnant and how fucked up it is. I'm just like, I'm so thankful that we have more choices now versus back then because dear God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to bring yeah. it down real quick. I hope you guys. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, back to art installations and stone parents. Uh, okay. Uh, that reminds right. me of this historical tragedy I've been uh, reading firsthand accounts from. If you'd mind, if you wouldn't mind if I take a quick reading from this journal. <laughs> okay. But it was written in also, tears, so it's going to take but, me a second to decipher, if you don't mind. <laughs> But also somebody says, I'm going to make it even worse. Somebody sent me to, I'm doubling down. Somebody sent me a thing today and I did not know this about John F. Kennedy's sister that apparently she had a low IQ and when she was becoming rebellious when she was 23. So the dad authorized her to get a fucking lobotomy and it turned her into a vegetable for the rest of her life. And I'm just like, oh. how did I not know that until now? And it's like, it's wild. Yeah, I re- I'm sorry. If I have to know that, you have to know that. And it was like, holy <laughs> shit. And so I'm just saying, guys, I- there's a really easy um, head trauma joke that I'm not going to make. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look okay. Well, I have a head trauma story. Ooh, I have okay. a head trauma story from my family. It's Ooh. it's light. It's not nearly as heavy as what you just shared. <laughs> Uh, so this light, was, I was in fun. high school. <laughs> uh, so this was, I was in high school and we had come back to Burbank for Easter weekend um, to do Easter with my grandparents. And I have, I have a bunch of cousins in Orange County too. And holidays are always at one of the other places. So it's great. You get to see the family like Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It was a whole regular seeing of people that I am still pretty close with, which is uh, great. And we're getting ready to sit down to eat dinner. Um, And I uh, wanted to have a Coke with dinner. So I went down into like the downstairs garage workshop room where there was a cooler with ice and all the Cokes in. And I was walking kind of fast and slipped on the carpeted stairs in my socks. It was just like no traction and hit my head directly on like where the ceiling started, like at the hit of the stairwell, just like came to a point. And like slipped and fell and, you know, teenage energy just like bounced into it and then just like slammed to the ground. It was all carpeted, like nothing major. But the only person who was present was my uncle Jim, who was in his like late fifties and was watching tennis. Cause that's what he did at every family get together was just turn the <laughs> tennis channel on and then wait for the dinner to be ready. And he just like looked over, was like, you okay, sport. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm fine. Like, and I like reached, I was like, oh, like that hurt. It stung. And I like touched my head and I was like, oh, no, seems okay. Like a little bump probably. D- walk, you know, another 20 feet into the workshop, grab a Coke. And as I crouched down, I get like a little bit of a head rush. And I was like, man, that like really hurt. And like, I like took it down. I like pulled my hand and it's just covered in blood. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Shit. And so I like go upstairs with this like bloody hand and then a Coke. And I'm like, uh, and like everybody's like taking their place at t- at the table, and I'm like, I um, I fell, 
I hit my head. Um, I'm bleeding. And everybody's like up in arms, like, oh God, what do we do? And so we sit there. Everyone's looking, they're like cleaning it off with a paper towel. They're like, he's bleeding badly from his head. Like, I don't know. How, like, how did you do this? I was like, I, I don't know. I fell into the ceiling. And they're like, that doesn't, that's not a sentence that makes sense. And then everybody's freaking out except my uh, aunt Edie, who's Jim's wife, was just like, well, he should eat dinner first before he goes to the hospital. And I was like, I think I'm okay. And everyone's like, he needs to go to the ER. Like, if he's bleeding from his head. But, and then my grandma's like, dinner is ready. <laughs> and so I waited 30 minutes and had like ham and whatever else my waspy family made for, uh, uh, for Easter dinner that year. With just like a towel on my head, just like holding it. Like, well, I guess this will stop the bleeding. <laughs> That is so well, quite annoying. honestly, and this sounds like Pepsi propaganda. It sounds like I know. <laughs> it's like this wouldn't happen if you went to get a Pepsi. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then also- and then I went to the ER and they're like, and I described the whole thing. They're like, when did this happen? I was like, I don't know, two hours ago, three hours. And they're like, why? Why didn't you come immediately? And I was like, I was hungry. And they're like, oh. they were like so upset with me. And then I got stitches on the top of my head. And it was all like fine. It's wrapped up. I didn't have a concussion, thankfully, but it's just one of those where you're like, oh dear. That's God. such like a stereotypical <laughs> like waspy family reaction where it's like, don't be dramatic. Finish your ham, dear. Like it's exactly. just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it was everything was fine. I mean, I can smell colors now, but other than that, things are great. <laughs> Yeah, like it feels like the only time your uncle does bring up love is when he's watching tennis. Does that make sense? Like yes. it's very. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Also, like the nightmare of having a child. Like he goes off to get a Coke and he just comes back bleeding from the head and you're like, how? (laughs) How? We used to, in my, our old house, like when we lived in Lynn, they, uh, I was in, I had my own room because for a while I was an only child because my siblings weren't born until I was 10 and seven. And so my bedroom, there was like a closet, but it was weird because it was like elevated. It didn't, the door didn't start at the floor. It was like pot, like up and you would open it thinking it would be just like a closet, but it led into the stairway of the basement. So there wasn't anything in there. It was just a door into the stairway. So like you could just fall and kill yourself on the stairway. I think about that constantly because my parents never like locked it or like did anything to make sure that I wouldn't plummet to my death. It was always me being like to my friends as like a very small child be like, you want to see something cool? Sometimes I don't think that they have it in our best interest. I think that they're just like, you know what? We're just going to let nature do its thing. And it's just, it's truly just going to be survival of the fittest at this point. Yes. My um, my dad took a photo of me when I was younger uh, holding a coffee cup. And I was like, a cute, I was like, oh, that's a cute picture. And he was like, yeah. And then you burnt yourself. I was like, put down the camera. What the fuck is wrong with you? Are you serious? <laughs> out of your mind (laughs) oh man it is funny where you catch those like little memories of things that happened to you as a kid like they're not full things but you have those like the highlight reel you know what I mean like (laughs) I remember like I have a scar on my knee and all and I all I remember is 
going violently fast down a hill on rollerblades and nobody was there to watch. <laughs> just like ate such a bag of shit and like fucked myself up so hard. But like, that's all I remember. I don't remember how old I was. I don't remember who else was supposed to be watching me, but like these like <laughs> weird things that are just like, oh, that is trauma, isn't it? Like, <laughs> <sighs> 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 yeah. But tell us about your dad's side. Cause I know like your, um, you said your mom was like the artsy side. And then what about your father's side? Yeah. So my, uh, grandparents were New Yorkers, like born, lived their whole lives in the Bronx and Queens. Uh, my grandfather was an accountant and my grandmother was a homemaker. It's, uh, it's so funny. They're just like, he just at some point clearly rejected and was like, I want to be a journalist mm. and left f- the world of finance and then became a journalist. Like he did it. And he like, it's what he did his whole career. And like now he's happily retired out in Riverside. He ended up in California too, which is great. That's um, awesome. But he always just like, it seemed like he just wanted to like listen to fun music and write interesting things. He was a sports writer uh, for a long time and then shifted into business kind of in the latter half of his career. Um, he wrote, he had a column uh, at one of the papers called Cat's Paws, which I thought was very clever, like P-A-U-S-E, but mm-hmm. oh, uh, cute. Kind of last name. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about your last day. Okay, yeah, that's yes, cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it's always fun. And then uh, he's a big Mets fan. Uh, so I'm also a big Mets fan. And we was uh, when the Mets and the Yankees were in the World Series, the Subway Series in 2000. And I think 2000. Uh, he was working for this paper and he wrote just like what today would just be a blog post, but that wasn't really a thing and at that point but he just wrote it for the fun of it of just this like really lovely sentimental little piece of like i kind of wish i was in new york right now back home stay and he had this amazing line that was like i wish i could be standing with ten thousand strangers and my closest friends in times square watching the game on one of those big screens right now he's like but i'm happy you know it was a very like sentimental thing and he was, again, he was the business editor at this smaller paper, but he took it to the sports desk and he was like, hey, I just, I wrote this. If you guys, could you tell me your thoughts? And they're like, this is incredible. We're going to just do like a couple like copy tweaks and we're publishing this as like an op-ed in our sports pages. And he was like, no, no, of course not. They're like, no, Jack, this is great. You really. <laughs> and so, and like, I have a copy of it. I found it years ago and I got him because he, like, he sent me the text of it, but I worked with like a local librarian and like they found the microfish of that. Day. So I have like a scan of it as it appeared in the paper, like with like oh, a little bit cool. of like the ink blotches and everything. Uh, and so, and I got it like framed for him and he was like, really? I was like, this is an amazing, like cool piece uh, that I always get. But then he's like grown into this like very chill. Like he likes to watch cable news during the day, uh, like MSNBC, but it's like just always on. <laughs> I was like, You're like don't worry, not the bad one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, he's very streaming, uh, mainlining Tucker Carlson. Uh, he thinks yeah. uh, vaccines will give you three balls. Uh, <laughs> we don't talk anymore. <laughs> no. no, he's great. But then it's it's also he, uh, I mean, he loves, you know, movies and like, especially all those, like, again, this is like the movies that were shown to me in the same vein of concerts I shouldn't have been taken to as a child. <laughs> the movies I was shown as a child. Uh, for example, I don't know in what world you think six is a good age for uh, Blazing Saddles. but here I am. I've got that. I had the blues brothers trading places, like all of those like great comedies that like now I'm like, yeah, that's great. You could have, 
at least waited till I hit like two digits in my age before you like. <laughs> but you know what's like so wild is like they take anytime I met a kid where it's like my parents showed me all this fucked up shit. Like, look at you. You're so like you seem well balanced. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. yeah. me, I was deprived of everything and I'm clearly out of my fucking mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's so weird. But I think sometimes he would forget what was in movies. Like, Mm. I know that when we watched Trading Places, which is a movie I love, and I know it's like, I don't feel like I can watch it and laugh at half the jokes in it anymore. Like, just in 2023, it pushes some boundaries. (laughs) But there's like this random scene that, of course, didn't even need to be in the movie, but it's just like Jamie Lee Curtis, like, goes to the bathroom and then just takes her shirt off. And it's like... Like, we already have established that she plays a sex worker. There was no need for this, but I think my dad forgot that that scene was in the movie That's because so we were funny. watching it and it happens. And I have just remember him going, Oh, Jamie <laughs> Curtis, why are you taking your shirt off? And I'm like seven years old and being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with any of this information. Like, it That's was just so funny. Because it's like, like seven it's years like, old he, and you're like, Free the nipple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm also being like, as a parent, like, what you just have to be like, well, it's fine. Like, it's that weird, like, you can't, like, overreact because then yeah. it is probably going to cause more problems. But I think my dad was just like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, like, genuinely, also, you, you yeah. can't. Like, I remember I was really young. Like, I don't even think I was talking at that point. It's my one of my earliest memories is me accidentally walking into the bathroom and seeing my dad's dick. And the only reason <laughs> I remember is because my mom started screaming. <laughs> Like, she was like, what are you doing? And he, and he was like, she's not going to, she's a baby. And, like, I remember it because my mom flipped the right. fuck out. Yeah. Like, I just busted open the bathroom door and my dad was on the toilet. And my mom was like, ah! <laughs> Can I say, there, I think it's a rite of passage for girls that we all remember the, the first and hopefully last time we saw our father's <laughs> dick. Because oh apparently when I saw my dad's, uh, I was like, didn't really like make a big deal. But then later that day, apparently I went, to my, I went to my dad and said, this is so unhinged. And I said, daddy, I saw your tail. Oh my God. <laughs> Why? <laughs> And my oh, aunt, oh no, oh no. Mm-hmm, yep. And another thing that I couldn't understand was that stuffed animals all had tags on the butt. So I like couldn't understand why people didn't, where I was like, what happened to his tag? <laughs> That's so cute. That's so horrifyingly cute. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Nightmare. So I you know, here we are in the arts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, the one bit of logic I think I could have with my dad getting like not knowing what to do it was relatively soon after my parents had split up, and like I was, it was a weekend with him, and I think he was just probably nervous. Like, oh God, he's gonna like report back and like. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. And of course I was like, I didn't, it just, it didn't register to me. It was just like, Oh, we're watching a funny movie. I don't know why yeah. half of these things are funny, but my dad's laughing. So I'll start laughing at this Aww. weird eighties comedy about class structure and race relations. And 
<laughs> what could go wrong? Oh. Um, well, that's wild. Isaac, we're getting close-ish to an hour. Are there any yeah. other like stories that you might want to throw in there? Yeah, the last one I have is uh, my grandfather, the the engineer, who again was relatively straight laced, but always like very fun and loving. And I, when I lived in Burbank, my grandparents would watch me sometimes, like instead of daycare. Um, yeah. Like if I had a day off from school, but my mom had to work, and so. Uh, my mom was driving me to my grandparents, like a 10 minute drive. And she's like, there's a bunch of traffic at an intersection near a grocery store that is in a neighborhood. Like there's no reason there should have been any sort of, unless there was an accident. She's like, and so I remember her getting just like irate because it was like backed up for three blocks. She's like, what is going on? Like she, she must've been running late or had a meeting and like was annoyed that we go. And as we finally get there, we see this guy like crouched in the middle of the street. She's like, oh what is this? Who's this crazy old guy? And then she gets like a little bit closer and it's my grandfather who is like, there was just like pennies everywhere in this intersection. And he had seen them, I guess, while driving around and was like, all right, great. And just started picking up all of these pennies, (laughs) which is goofy on its own right. But then of course he looks up, sees my mom's car and us. And he's like, oh, Suzanne, great. You're here. Help me. Come on. Come on. And it's just like, and she was like, no, no, absolutely. And like, she was in like a business She's suit. Like, like, was going through like wheat important pennies meeting. though. Wheat pennies. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and so she was like, oh, and so she was like so frustrated and she's like, I gotta go. I gotta, and she was like, and he's like, oh, okay, I'll see you later. And like my mom drops me off with my grandma and she's like, dad's in the street picking up loose change. <laughs> my grandma's just like, what? She's like, I don't have time here's Isaac and like left me there. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And then an hour later, my grandfather comes back with like two, just like shopping bags full of pennies. He's like, isn't this great? And then he, you know, goes to his desk drawer and gets the coin wrappers. He's like, let's have an activity, Isaac. And he like, we count, it was like five bucks in pennies, which is like a lot and nothing. A lot of pennies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, it was just this like goofy thing that like, but of course, my grandparents have lived in the same house since 1965. Um, and I, I still visit them regularly because they're still around and I live nearby and I'm the closest family member. Your grandparents are still so, alive? Yeah, they're in their late 80s. Uh, oh, that's okay. so cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, but it's like I am like I'm the first one to respond <laughs> in case of an emergency, which is sometimes... Uh, the battery on the thermostat's out. Can you change it? I'm like... <laughs> yeah, and like sometimes it's like more extreme but i'm the first person to check in uh and also their handy person and all those things but i drive <laughs> past this penny intersection like once a month at least and i still i remember i'm just like <laughs> uh, my grandfather was like gold mine <laughs> five so bucks and then of course like you know they're like well what do you want to do with your your newfound riches and they like took me to the arcade because what else do you do with a seven-year-old however old i was <laughs> i know yeah Oh man, I'm telling, telling you what. Time. I was gonna say, and the depression really makes its mark on people because, like, <laughs> when they lived like through that era, like even like my grandmother yeah. would always tell us, be like, my favorite gift was an orange, and it's like Jesus Christ, that is the saddest thing I've ever heard. <sighs> like, you know, you hear yeah. that stuff that like lingers, like. Like she never wanted to throw anything away. And like, I'm sure any, any of our grandparents, mm-hmm. if they went through an intersection and saw that many pennies, they would stop. Like, 
Yeah. All I know about my grandpa is we lost him once uh, when he came to America. And we're like, where's grandpa? And then we're running around the store in the parking lot. And he was just sitting, you know, those little islands with like a single tree. He was oh, just sure. sitting. Yeah, he was sitting under a tree meditating. And we were like, what the fuck, dude? Some old man who doesn't speak a word of English. I was going to say, oh, yes, we all know how calm the grocery store parking lot can be. I know. <laughs> what a perfect <laughs> place to meditate. It's like a J.C. Penny just finding enlightenment. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Sue, but you're from Detroit or Chicago, I remember? Chicago area, Chicago, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I assume this was not in the middle of the winter where it was like no, lake, oh effect, God, no. <laughs> lake effect wind and just like, ah, yes, harmony. Oh, God, we would not <laughs> drag an old Indian man into a Chicago winter for no reason. <laughs> you want to experience hell before you go there? Like, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you? Uh, oh, too yeah. funny. My grandmother was an immigrant as well. She was uh, from Poland, too. So I was dead. Yeah, uh, she, she uh, via Germany, escaped. Uh, she left during, like, World War II. Um, oh, fuck. Which is wild. Oh, shit. Uh, and. I mean, that's a whole other podcast, but she's just like, other than she has like the most traditional views on like how life should be, uh, uh, you know, she was a homemaker and, but also a teacher, like an ESL teacher. Uh, but when I moved here a few years ago, I stayed with them until I found my own place. And she, uh, I was married at the time and she didn't like fathom that I like knew how to take care of myself. And like one time I like went down the stairs to do laundry. She's like, Oh, do, do you need help? And I was like, no, I got it. She's like, you know how to do it? And I was like, yeah, I've been doing my own laundry since I was like 12. I, I got that's that. And then, and then like one time I went to make dinner and she's like, oh, but I, I made dinner for you. I was like, oh, that's nice. But like I, it, it was all cleaned up and there wasn't, she's like, well, I, I, I'll make your dinner every night. And I was like, please don't. I'm like, Aww. I know how it was so lovely, but it's just like all of the same things where you're like, I, I am capable of doing all of these things. I lived on my own. Uh, she was like, "Sir, this is my profession. I am yeah. a professional homemaker. <laughs> you are yeah. in home. So, I make things. <laughs> yeah, I need job exactly. security. Get away from me, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I bet oh. she made some mean pierogies, though, then, right? Oh yeah. Oh, she's a oh. yeah great cook. Except she doesn't cook fish because uh, she got uh, traveled by boat, and so she just doesn't do seafood. Um, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, do you imagine being trapped on a boat and having to eat like fish and shit for all that time? That could ruin that for you. Exactly. I just think yeah. anytime I think Polish food, I think Lisa Curry. Uh, I know, at your me too. like Christmas dinners now, that's where my yeah. brain goes. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Like, what other little yeah. treats did you make for us? It is. It's funny to see how like normally stand-up comedians are just a bunch of dirtbags running around like lawless and li- sleeping on floors <laughs> and stuff. But like around the holidays, it's funny to watch like most of the female stand-up comics all of a sudden have that like one week of enjoying being Susie Homemaker and like, look at all of these <laughs> things that I can cook and this and what I can do. And it's like, and this is the only time of the year that I will do this. And I will go back to being an absolute <laughs> dirtbag. Like it's very fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, great. But then she also would get worried. Uh, sorry. The last thing was just like, I, I was working late one night, uh, in theater sometimes you know you work until you get home at like midnight and so i slept in until like nine maybe or like i just hadn't come out of my room and she had gone to church and all these things but she just like left me this note that was like we went to church we saw you were still asleep i hope everything's okay and i was like <laughs> it's, it's 9 a.m i'm fine just that's just, hysterical. just a day off and i uh 
would like to sleep a bit. Um, Bro, if I was a homemaker, my day would start at 3 p.m. Like, why are you up so early? That's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) You have to, like, punch into the living room? What are you doing? That's wild. (laughs) (laughs) You get to make the rules. What are you, like... Right? Change the clocks. No one needs to know the real time, especially back then. (laughs) They had no way to check it. Oh, (laughs) my God. Well, this has been so fun, Isaac. I'm so glad that you yeah. uh, got to do the pod. Um, yeah, where, no, this is where, a real treat. Where can you uh, people find you and any, like, if you have any work you want people to check out, all that fun stuff? Yeah. I, uh, so I'm on uh, all of the various social medias. Uh, Tito is my Nemo, all one word, exactly as it sounds. Uh, I don't use any of them hyper regularly, but I try to elevate people who I think are funny and other things. Uh, and I have a Substack that, again, I have, you know, 14 drafts and boy, if I could just commit <laughs> to finishing one of them uh, called Bear Tend Bar, uh, uh, which is all like the stories a bartender would hear uh, from people just rambling or overseeing. Uh, they're fun. I really am pleased with so many of them, that's except cool. that none of them have an ending. But that's a, a goal <laughs> for this year is to actually make that a semi-regular thing uh, once or twice a month. Um, and beyond that, uh, if you are an avid daytime TV game show watcher, I will at some point in the future of this year, 2023, be on an episode of Let's Make a Deal. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. <laughs> because uh, as, as they asked in their interview, what's the craziest thing you've ever done for money? And I said, I've signed up for a career in the arts. <laughs> and uh, that includes <laughs> going on a... Going on a game show, riffing with Wayne Brady while wearing uh, hockey gear from head to toe. Oh, that's uh, so cool. So, yeah, it was fun. It's it's so dumb, but I was like, well, why not? Like, Ugh, my, driving, my driving ethos of like, yeah, well, yeah we'll give it a try. <laughs> yeah, that's rad. Um, so. You can find me at Valerie underscore Tossie on all of the things. Uh, I'm hitting the road <laughs> once I am uh, allowed to leave my house. And uh, <laughs> I can't, I truly can't wait to not be in my own home. So check my website <laughs> for some of the dates that I have coming up. Um, I'll be in Atlanta in like two weeks, which is really fun. And uh, there's a bunch of other stuff too. Suba? Hell yeah. Just look up, search Suba, S-U-B-H-A-H. I'll probably come up or go to my website, s-comedy.com. And yeah, thank you for listening.